Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of Bandwagoners. Oh, how silly. Hello, fellow basement dwellers. Welcome in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd. Excited to be here. Second week in a row, though, with a limited bandwagon. And I'm actually concerned because we are embarking on the 18th week journey of PC Tunney, constantly being distracted by football games on television during bandwagon nerds is that a thing i'm just yanking your chain but let's let's just say we can tell when something good or bad happens to your green bay packers during the one o'clock hour well they don't play till till we're done recording so we should be good to go this week that that's the hope though dave seems to think we're going three hours today 
I I don't know about that. Yes, that's right, everybody. Uh, we've got three quarters of the bandwagon here. We've got PC Tony, of course, the live studio audience who you just heard. We've got our good friend Dave Ungar coming to us from the fake home office based on the uh, based on the background. The fake fake home office, yes. Because I just don't don't take this the wrong way. I just refuse to believe your house is that nice. Uh, you're probably right. At least my office is not this clean. The house That's is pro- the house is probably nicer than that, but the rest of the place. I just, like, I'm a little confused because there's no Green Day poster in the background. Like, I'm I'm lost. I'm frightened, and you know, and I get it. Virtual backgrounds. I I have the virtual background myself with the kittens going to war with each other. Yeah. But it is, uh, it's football season. It's time to be lost and frightened for most of us. Maybe not Tony. Yeah, it's. And season hasn't even started for the Bears yet, and I've already given up. Like you lose, you lose your starting left tackle, who was a rookie, as it is for. I don't know if it's for the season, but it's for a really long time. The offensive line is not looking good, and I, I just, uh, I'm not feeling great. What I am feeling great about, though, is oh look, Dave and Tony live in the same house. How best, about that? That's friends, with baby. Ben- here on Bandwagon Nerds, you are, you know, and as I mentioned before, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where we always remind you to, you know, where we remind you to always use your head. And this week, uh oh, you didn't hear that? Are we hearing uh, voices? Did you play something Chairshot related there? Were you, Was that it? Were you trying to play this? Thechairshot.com. Always use your head i mean i heard that through my headset and i heard the one i played through my headset but clearly you guys didn't hear it through your headsets so we'll see what happens did did we not hear so you didn't hear the audience like when i did the audience thing like no no No. so um, we could always plug that in in post-production if we well i mean I mean, I hope the audience hears it later, um, or or hears it on the recording. Uh, but now I'm I'm a little nervous. You can hear me though. Well, yeah. The deal is, is whose recording are you going to use? You're using Probably mine. You're using mine. I mean, come on. Well, then it only matters whether or not Dave heard it. I didn't hear measured. anything, but that's never stopped me from plugging something in afterwards. And you know, the 22 listeners don't really need to know about all this. So the doctor doesn't need to know about this. <laughs> they, they do now. They do now. We are we are an open book around here, which is why, you know, we're short Ray Cash today because he sold out to the NFL man, so to speak, uh, and decided that going to a, a Texans game was more important and they're not even, they're playing the jags man they're playing like what trevor lawrence like that's really really i i don't know guys i don't i don't know how i f- i'm a little miffed a little miffed a little hurt wow they're actually winning who is the texans yeah 17 yeah, to bad. seven right well and i keep waiting for the the lovey smith defense that was so great when he was the head coach of the university of illinois to show up um because so far, they've again. I got to remind myself, it's the Jags, right? You know, the Con family's been so busy focused on AEW, they haven't really paid attention to their football franchise. Is that what we're, is that what we're going with? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to get us very far because the uh, only part of the Cons are focused on AEW. Con, 
Con. Well, we have a we have quite a, a review loaded show today, as we are going to talk about episode five of Marvel's What If. We are going to talk about episode seven of This Is Pop, which, for my money, is the best episode of the series to date. That's that's myself. Tony's making a face, which tells me maybe he didn't watch it, uh, which is okay. Dave, did you watch it, or am I just talking about this the whole time? Because I loved this episode. Yeah, I watched it. I watched This Is Pop. Okay. And also... I was mad I missed last week, because you guys talked... It was a lot about the festivals and stuff, and I was like, oh, I have a lot of experience with that. But anyway, carry on. And then Dave and I, for certain, I don't know that Tony made it. We're going to talk a little Shang-Chi. Uh, as it was the subject of the nerd review this past week, Dave and I both saw it at the theaters. We'll wrap up the show with that. And in between, Disney unloaded a ton of release dates. PlayStation put out a bunch of news on their upcoming year. We got an update on ScarJo. Just a lot, a lot of little topics that probably won't take us too too long to talk about. But just you know, kind of a full full news week from the neurosphere, at least in terms of releases and things that are coming. So very, very exciting to, to get that off the ground. And we, we are, we're even going to visit the trailer park. The trailer park is back too. how excited are we for that? Dave, I know you love striking up those banjos. So I've uh, just uh, Fitzpatrick's already been injured. So, I mean, you know, it's all going oh, downhill in the first half. No Fitz magic. See, and this is why I love football season because we get to talk about not football stuff, and maybe we got to look at our recording time since it's like right over games, and you got, you all are distracted. We'll get you up early in the morning. We'll get you up at five in the morning, Dave, and record. You know, eight o'clock Eastern time, seven o'clock. Oh, and oh, now Tony's got to go off. Oh no, look at all your lives. Okay. Well, enough of that, enough of talking about our lives, enough of Ray ditching us for for professional football and and skybox seats and all that, and Christopher Platt refusing the Platt signal, everything just not going our way. Busy, busy people out there in the world. We're going to kick off our show like we always do with our two now episode reviews because Dave and Ray couldn't just be happy with a nerd review. And we'll start with going into episode seven of This Is Pop, which for my money, as I mentioned before, what I think this should have been this the, the episode to end the first season because it's talking about what sort of power is there in song and focuses razor sharp in on the power of music and the power of popular music in the world of politics and protest, which immediately anybody who knows anything about me would know that I would get very, very excited about this. And this episode itself, I think could have been an eight part mini series all on its own because this is such a huge topic that they had to condense down to 45 minutes and i thought they did a pretty noble start with some fairly glaring omissions if you ask me but i mean they covered everything from you know um i would will guthrie to um public enemy to uh hosier to the women's movement. I can't even remember all, all the, the names of the artists they, they had out of the women's music from the 90s to, um, oh gosh, a, a Native American uh, group that's that's big right now. 
that, or at least is, is a part of a movement right now. And it was all just about the power of like, what sort of role and influence music and song can have in, and it spoke, it spoke mainly to civil rights movements. So um, it talked about, you know, like the Black Lives Matter movement, the Me Too movement. It talked about, you know, police violence when talking about public enemy. It was it was just all over the place and just so many groups that were mentioned and yet so many more I thought could have been brought up. Like they they thumbnailed Bob Dylan, for example, like like they, they barely touched Bob Dylan. They yeah, I. I don't know, Dave. I'm going to turn it over to you. I know, Tony, you didn't you didn't watch the episode. Initial thoughts on pop and the and the power of music, or or like what kind of power there is in song. Well, I I mean, I like the episode a lot. It's obviously it's a really heavy episode. You know, we're not dealing with a we're dealing with some pretty heavy topics on a weekend that's already kind of <laughs> heavy anyway because of you know what happened 20 years ago, but. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a daunting task to try and cover the spectrum of civil rights with African Americans, with any other minority class out there, women, uh, you know, and the struggles that they've gone to, the origins of the Me Too movement, and all that kind of stuff. The uh, the um, LGBTQ, you know, Hose, you're talking about that, and the persecution with the church, and I mean, you're dealing with some really, really heavy topics. So it was very interesting to me. I commend the the showrunners for having the balls to go and try and tackle a subject that heavy and that broad. But, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed the episode, but yeah, like you're saying, this could have been a season unto itself, just going episode by episode, focusing on a different group, talking about the music that resonates so loudly with those particular groups. So I enjoyed the episode a lot. It just, from for me, it wasn't my favorite because it's it's just it's too dense of a topic. I thought for forty five minutes, and it you you just scratch the surface of this stuff. But it's important to bring those issues to you know social awareness to people's awareness to kind of get maybe if nothing else as an appetizer to have people say, hey, I want to learn more about this and the music surrounding that. So a very the most important episode of the season by far. Just a, a tough assignment for those guys to pull that all together title of the episode was what can a song do and the the thing that this did for me i i left out a couple of other uh, other songs that they highlighted and artists they highlighted they highlighted billy holiday talking uh and and the song that that um she sings it's uh, a strange fruit is was was really when you hear that and it's talking about lynchings going on in the 1930s and you know that she was singing a song that was written by a jewish man who saw a photo of two black men being hung from a tree and, and that i was apparently quite a famous photo and that you learn that she ended her her concerts her performances with this song on the stage it was just a spotlight on herself as a way to engage an audience the Temptations, and actually one of my favorite songs about The Temptations, Ball of Confusion, was was highlighted and talked about their power as a popular music band and their and Motown in general, Motown's crossover audience that white folks, you know, would watch, you know, we would listen to this music and, and it was 
you know, this this sound that they embraced and loved and was also an opportunity for a band like The Temptations to see blow up. And then you talked about Hosier. What I really appreciated about that was it actually got me to thinking about other artists before him that have talked about you know, Ireland and the plight of Ireland and the role of the Catholic church. Uh, and one, you know, one of the most infamous, um, actually I would say famous, not infamous, famous moments on Saturday Night Live, Sinead, you know, Sinead O'Connor ripping the picture of the Pope up, uh, after, after seeing one of her tunes and, and talking about, you know, and showing that there's something deeply wrong with the Catholic church. Uh, U2 is known for, you know, it's, it's activism and, and their music, you know, Bono in particular and the edge and the Cranberries was another art group, uh, that I thought of immediately when you say like, go back and listen to the words of the song zombie. And it's all about the internal civil war that has plagued Ireland for, for years and years and years. And, and so to see that then juxtaposed with all these other, um, songs and artists and you know, like you said like hoser talking about the plight of lgbt uh men and women in ireland because of the catholic church uh you know i looked at it, it made me think of and i talked about this last week john legend and the roots who put out an album a few years back called wake up which is all cover songs of protest songs from the 60s 70s that maybe aren't quite as known but there's a song called Hard Times on there that is by, by John Legend and the Roots that John Legend sings the lead the Roots are playing in the back of it. It's just this really, really powerful tune that is is amazing. There's another song called Ghetto Boy talking about just living in poverty and the way that the system has worked against people of color for so, so long. And to me, that's why, you know, you, that's why I think this song, like this song or this episode really kind of resonated with me a lot because I do believe that there is real power in music and that song, you know, and that music can have an influence, even if it's just something as simple as unifying folks while they're out there, you know, hopefully peacefully protesting. But as was brought up at the very opening of the show, when talking about uh, public enemy, you know, the folks who need to listen oftentimes don't pay attention until there's some real noise made that forces them to pay attention and, and music and song can help that. Yeah. Unfortunately that's historically been accurate is that peace, you know, everybody talks about peaceful protests and things like that, but it, unfortunately it takes something really radical usually to get the attention of the masses enough to unfortunately make a difference and, and it shouldn't be that way, but you know, welcome to 2021. This is the world we live in right now. Well, I would even argue welcome to the world we live in, right? Like, like I don't think that this is unique. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm just reading. I don't mean to laugh, but th- this can only happen to the Washington football team. There's a sewage pipe has burst at FedEx Field, and there's what? actually sewage coming into the stands. So you oh. know it's going to be a shitty year for the Washington football team, literally. But I'm um, ching. Tony, wow. you were about to say something. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, you know, uh, the shit hit the fan. It kind of lost my thought. Uh, <laughs> no, early. I was going to say it is great when they when they when these songs have a positive effect, right, and bring light to things that need change. I mean, that's really at at their best, their their most powerful thing they can accomplish is bring light to change. You know, things that need change. The opposite side, and it's a small thing, is as a concert goer. Like 
tell me about it with the song you did. Don't give me a 25 minute sermon in between like three different songs because I don't want to fucking hear. I didn't come here to listen to you preach. I came here to listen to you sing. So there's a lot of different bands and leads on a lot of bands that like to just hear their own voice. So, and I understood touche. Uh, this is a podcaster saying that to, to somebody else. So anyway, go ahead, Patrick. I mean, I do think that it's about using your plot, using your platform. Right. I think that's the way that a lot of artists see it. And I, you know, and even here in these podcasts, like I, I hope that I don't, I, I hope that you know, I, if I see an opportunity to use my platform, as long like I hope I don't sound preachy at times. Um, well, I but, think there's a difference between going to see a concert and wanting to hear live music and someone sing. And, you know, I, hey, you want to talk about something that's really important to you that needs, you know, give me three, four five minutes. Fine. Great. Let's move on. I don't need the half hour there. OK. You know, when you listen to a podcast, you expect to listen to the person tell you their opinion on things. That's why we're here, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, I think that that's fair. I think, um, yes, and I think at the end of the day, with with this episode, and I, you know, we're kind of we're kind of quickly going through it. Um, I just think, like I said, I feel like this was one of the, the this should have been to me the last episode of the first season given that it really talks about music in a different way. There's one episode left that, um, and I'm not even, I am in unsure even like, I'm, I don't even know the the foundation of it um, other than it's, you know, just kind of the way that it was put together. The last episode is the Brill Building in Four Songs, a hit dedicated to another Brill Building songwriter, a sweet earworm penned for a cartoon combo. These numbers powered a mid-century music factory. And Whatever so, that means. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, that's the thing is I, I think I'm going to learn a lot out of this one. Uh, I just worry that it's going to kind of go over with us the same way that the Britpop episode went, where like it was like, oh, this is interesting. But it really didn't really move the needle too much for us. I really felt like this would have been just such a great way to wrap this series. Like that, so you've talked about all these musicians and all these artists and things like Sweden and country and boys to men and just all of this, you know, this menagerie of music. And then you talk about what can a song do, and that it's interesting. It just sort of feels like a an odd shaped peg for what this season has been. Yeah, really. How do you follow like, this episode up with Brill Street? I, you know, it's like, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Obviously it was important enough to, to put onto the series and to, and to give us 45 minutes, but I, yeah, I, that's, that's for next week where unfortunately I won't be here to talk about it. So, uh, cause I will be neither, neither will Tony. Oh man, you better, you better get that plat signal up. Dave, I, hope you got, Ray, I hope Ray shows up. I don't want to be by myself. Ray better not have, another, Ray better not have any more box seats. We we cannot miss show number, what is that, 98, 97? 97. That'd be 97. 97 as we continue our march towards 100. Um, wow. So, all we right. Got a well, guess. We got a guest coming up next week. Well, so there you go. You do have a guest. I'll, I'll miss that. So that'll be fun. Um you got it on lock for us. It looks like you're, you're in good shape. All right. I so can bullshit with myself for at least three hours. You, you do talk a lot. I, I will agree with that. Um, 
All right, so that'll do it for episode seven of, of This Is Pop. Next week, we wrap up the series uh, with this brill-building episode. Uh, but I'm going to play the music, even if you can't hear it. We're going to go jump into the Marvel world and talk about episode five of Marvel's What If. Okay, here's my first question to you, Dave, as we go into the Marvel Zombies episode of What If? What the fuck did Hank Pym do to suddenly be like the cause of fucking up every Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> or alternate universe? Yeah, there's a, uh, you know, when, so you like, when we reviewed when we reviewed the one episode where all the Avengers got killed and we were like, oh, well, you know, this is cool that they that they made Hank Pym a, 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 this darker, more realistic version of his character where he's not your grandfather down the street sort of guy. But yeah, now all of a sudden he just, everything he touches turns to absolute shit. Here you <laughs> unleash the zombie apocalypse upon the MCU. And um, yeah, these zombies are, are not your garden variety walking dead sort of walkers. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it was... It's an interesting take. Now, the first thing I, I so for those of you who haven't seen the episode yet, and you all know that we're we're not spoiler free, so sorry. Basically, when Hank Pym goes into the quantum realm to find his wife, when he when he finds her, she's been infected by some sort of quantum disease that turns her into a zombie. He is bitten. He comes back as a zombie and quickly consumes. Uh, Ant-Man, Hope gets away, and the next thing you know, that then lead, precipitates the uh, the zombie apocalypse in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or in the Marvel, this Marvel What If universe, and is is pretty clever in the way that they show the Avengers showing up and being defeated. Like these zombies have some level of intelligence to them because they can still, like, oh, it's beyond Ant-Man's, that though, because yeah, because. They- they know Scott their powers. I mean, suit. Yeah, they know their powers. Scott Lang can still use his suit. He gets he gets cap. They you know, Iron Man when he becomes when he becomes zombified is using his repulsors and everything. You don't see everything that the Nanites can do, um, or if or how, how far along it goes. You know, and the story, this this one actually felt like a movie. Like a full on movie. I don't know if it felt that way to you guys where you had this just long overarching plot. We got to hear Chadwick Boseman's voice again, which was, uh, again, just a nice little plus uh, with re- rewarding the show. But, you know, the division has been allowing the Scarlet Witch zombie to live because he just can't bring himself to do it and that the, the creatures are hindered by the mind stone, mind stone in some way, shape, or form. So Vision turns into the governor from Walking Dead. Basically, yeah. But I, I just to me it just came back to why Hank Pym, like, like why why what was he that compelling of a character that we needed this much what ifs with Hank Pym? 
Apparently so. Apparently somebody's got uh, like buyer's remorse that we didn't do Ant-Man around Hank Pym and we went with Scott Lang instead. Maybe they just, you know, everybody pitched their ideas for Hank Pym and they just really liked two of them and they went with it. I mean, I guess. So I, uh, yeah, I don't know. This, This story, by the way, different from the Marvel Zombies comic. I can't even remember how that one started um like what caused the marvel zombies to to manifest in the comic series but i do remember my favorite part was zombified spider-man from the comic who feels guilty and is like eating mary jane and at the same time being like oh my god what what am i doing and he's like eating his, he's eating Mary Jane and he killed his Aunt May, like zombie Peter Parker. But then he like feels guilty about it because with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, I wanted that out of this. Instead, we got Peter Parker kind of being the the hope of the episode, like the you got to believe sort of thing that was nice. And then zombie Thanos with an infinity gauntlet loaded with stones. Just a bad, bad scene. <laughs> I, I more than any other of the episodes wanted to see this one continue on. Like, I want to see the, I want to see what they do. I want to see what happens next. Like that, that was the first thing I, you know, said, and it's just crazy. I, I really, really enjoyed this one, to be honest with you. And I'm not a zombie kind of guy either. So yeah, it's, it's a fun episode, but it, it you really have to suspend your disbelief more than any other episode that's out there because it's like wait if you guys know who these people are and you know how to use your powers why are you killing them And like patrick you're saying it's like some uncontrollable impulse that they i must eat brains even though i know it's wrong um but well, no 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 that, that was that was from the comic that yeah. was peter parker's I, consciousness for the comic continued yeah, I, and it's yeah. like if you know how to use your powers then you obviously have some recollection on some level so why are you killing and eating your friends Unless they just, it's an incontrollable impulse. But you can, yeah, go ahead, Tony. Patrick's got me thinking about Homer eating Pinchy as a, in a comparison to, to Spider-Man eating. <laughs> it's so delicious. Oh, Pinchy, pass the butter. It's, it's cause here's, here's the other thing that, uh, that when I, cause I inevitably compared the comics to the books in the comics or to the show in the comics, they eat Galactus and turn Galactus into a zombie. And that's the kind of the vibe I got from like a Thanos zombie with the gauntlet. My question to you all is, do you think the cure works because we know it cures Scott Lang? Does it work universally and then open the door for a living Thanos to get that last stone with next to no Avengers there to save the world from the snap or the zombie Thanos somehow show. Cause that was the other thing they don't tell you. Does zombie, does zombie Thanos know how to use the stones he's already collected? I assume he does. I Cause mean, they all know well, how to use their other shit. Yeah. In comparison to what we saw that entire episode, it was oh. basically like once they, once that switch flipped on to being zombified, it, there was no training necessary. It was almost as if, you know, they took over those neurons that fire in their brain to tell them exactly what to do. And they just immediately, you know, emulsified into that. It makes you wonder what was Thanos going with the snap? Would he, he can't turn everybody into a zombie because then they've got nothing to feed on. But you figure he's going to turn half of the universe into zombies. And then they just feed on the non 
zombified half. And I don't know, maybe he snaps his fingers, Pat, and all of them get helicopters. What do you think? Oh, why did you do that? <laughs> See, even your dog hated that. There's a fire truck somewhere too close to here. What the hell is going on? Huh. This is just, we, you know, we had a great episode, y'all. We talked about shit spewing at the Washington football stadium. We got dogs barking at fire trucks. It's a good day. It's a good day. Sorry. So, I, I'm actually I'm jumping on IMDb right now to see what's left. We know we've got one where Tony Stark's going to be rescued from Killmonger. Oh. And I didn't even notice this. I don't know if you guys have looked on IMDb. It looks like the next episode is going to be the Tony Stark rescued by, um, by Killmonger. Uh, and that'll, that'll be the one that we next where he becomes like Iron Man or the Black Panther or whatever it is. How many, how many episodes are we getting? According to IMDb, we're getting nine. And the ninth one, if this is true, in an alternate timeline, Vision becomes an all-powerful android known as Infinite Ultron when merged with the rival android Ultron, and it is up to the newly formed Guardians of the Multiverse to put an end to his reign before it is too late. That's the last episode, though. Episodes 1.7 and 8 have nothing listed as a possible potential plot plot yet. So, But episode 9 now has my interest peaked. Anything, you guys, that's glaring to you or personally that you would like to see them do? Hmm. Well, because it's got to be a what if out of the MCU, right? Because that's that's where, where where they've been making these. We presume so. Uh, one thing to mention about this episode that I think we read as the week went along. This is the first time in the MCU, in the broad spectrum oh, yeah. of the MCU, that Peter actually mentioned Uncle Ben by name. Right. Which, I you know, I it's funny because I didn't really see it as that big a deal. Like you know, and it made like it made article headlines, but I was like, most people know that's that that's kind of the impetus of what set him on the path that he was on. So to me, I was like, oh yeah, that's nice, that's cool. I hadn't I hadn't really thought of that, but you know, yeah, cool, cool. I guess it's I'll cool. tell you, I'll tell you the one that I would like to see, and it wouldn't be hard because their source material is, but I like you say it, it has to be. We think it has to be based on the MCU. But what if Deadpool killed all the Avengers? Because there's a comic, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. So it's not that far of a stretch to look for source material. And, you know, we talked about, would they introduce somebody into the MCU through what if? Now, see, like Wolverine, Fantastic Four, we're all like, okay, that'd be a ripoff. We want to see live action. Deadpool, I could actually see them doing. Because we know he's coming to the MCU. And I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And we've already seen him in live action. And we know that the Ryan Reynolds variation of Deadpool is likely what we're going to get in the MCU. So if you did a what if with Deadpool and introduced him that way, I don't know. Would you guys feel ripped off? I would be like, okay, that works for me. I mean, I know Ray's opinion is no, that Ray, Ray is very firmly like yeah, but Ray sold out. So he doesn't count. It. Well, but, but here's the thing is, I think if there's any character that makes sense that you could introduce that way, a Ryan Reynolds voiced Deadpool uh, would be a would be a fun little surprise. I think it would be nice. I would love to see a what if um, Mordo became the Sorcerer Supreme instead of Doctor Strange. What if Baron Mordo became the Sorcerer Supreme instead of Stephen Strange? Um, 
and because one of my favorite conceits in the Doctor Strange movie that doesn't get enough love is the philosophical differences between those two and their view of magic and how it is used in, in this idea of balance. Like if there was somebody who could have jumped, who would have jumped on board with Thanos, Mordo is one who would have been on there because as he says, the bill always comes due. And well, it kind of leads to I, I, what if Thanos defeats the Avengers and, 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 you know, things turn out the way he wanted them to turn out. How about that one? <laughs> yeah. I, I almost got that. Well, you see a glimpse of it. You don't know how far it goes because the, because the Avengers never like, what if Thanos had actually crushed, like killed all the Avengers in that battle instead of letting them live after the snap, like moments like that. So I've got I, one for I, you, Pat. All right. Yeah. What if, Doc, Last one. what if Dr. Doom got the infinity gauntlet? I mean, that's again, you gotta, you gotta have Dr. Doom in the MCU before you can tell that story. But Boy, howdy! It's just, just like anything else, you don't, you don't want that. That's bad, bad news. So, all right. With all of that being said, we are going to jump into our first commercial break. When we come back, we're returning to the trailer park after a one-week hiatus. Oh, yeah, I'll play the commercials. Hopefully, they'll come through on Dave's recording. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. 
Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Okay, we are back. Dave, it's time. Kick up the banjos, sir. So nice to have him back. So nice to be back. Welcome back to the trailer park, gentlemen. I got to say, just witnessing the the drink of choice by at least one Mr. PC Tunney, that is a fitting trailer park visit beverage. About the, I mean, the only way it could be a little bit more is if you're drinking something like Stag Beer, maybe some Milwaukee's Beast. Um, not Miller Lite. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, Scott Hops since 1855. No, that's award oh, winning beer right there, folks. Right. Amongst the trailer folk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know who okay. would give that award. At least I'm at least I'm not drinking that, you know, horse piss from Anheuser. Neither am I. My team just is owned by them. Anyway, I, I quit drinking. We we talked about that. Or well, basically <laughs> drinking. You ain't well, as glad much at least fun you got since the you stopped drinking. In front of it. What's that? Said, you ain't as much fun since you stopped drinking. So. <laughs> Who's oh. that character from Friends? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, uh, Bobby. Who played? Oh, uh, all right. I'm I'm gonna look it up. Who played him? Go ahead. Carry on. Cool. All right. Well, we I I stuck a fourth trailer on y'all uh, right before this show opened up. So if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I, I understand. But I wanted to talk about a little animated flick coming out. Um, in late September, October, called Ron's Gone Wrong. And it's the story, it's a story that takes place in the future about a young boy who apparently wants a social media sort of robot because it seems like that in the future, kids don't don't have necessarily phones and devices, but they've got these robots whose sole function are to create strong social media profiles and he begs his father to you know to, to get him one of these robots his father finally does and it's not completely coded properly and so ron doesn't seem to fully understand his role 
and in his efforts to help his owner keeps uh having some disastrous and almost violent con consequences to to the people around him so much so that programmers eventually begin chasing ron down and clearly looks like a story that's going to talk about the value of interpersonal relationships and friendships over the social media friendships and and kind of the superficiality of it all and i just thought it was a really like the little o'dowd is interested to see this yes i know it's another animated film but to me it, it seems like one that could have some real relevancy to us and to, to, to people and to kind of where we are as a society now and, and our reliance on our Instagram photos, our Twitter profiles, our Facebook profiles, our Snapchat and TikTok and all the stuff that we put out there in this digital world and, and how, you know, at least in this future envisioned by the animators here, it's done by a robot that, that may or may not have your best interests at heart. So Ron's gone wrong coming to theaters in about a month or so. Either of you have a chance to watch it. I know I dropped that trailer on you late. Yeah, I watched it. Um, Ron reminds me of Baymax for some reason. Was it just me? Oh, or- okay. Um, yeah, I see that kind of vibe. A little less, um, he tries too hard. Baymax, I think, was a little bit different in that, like his place of care seemed to be very, it was, it was very genuine and heartfelt. And I'm not saying Ron's isn't, but it was just weird. Like Ron just tried so hard. Right. But like you said, or I don't know if you said it, but I got the impression. Yeah. Ron's missing some code or has some code distract extracted or something. And that's why he's malfunctioning. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it looks like another interesting animated who who's um, it's not a Disney or Pixar one. Who did, who does this one? I don't think so. Um, let me, I'm going to take a quick look. See, while my internet slows down on you. But um, I think it's um, well. Of course, nothing's going to work now. As everything starts, I think I just have too many browsers open. Uh, that's a pre-existing condition. So, um, but no, it's a wrong gone. Wrong's gone wrong. Let's see. While I'm asking that, here's my here's my question. It's twenty. It's a 20th Century Fox cartoon uh, film. So it's coming from them. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that Baymax, this article that, where I found the trailer, that's one of the things that, uh, they actually compared it to, um, that he has, that, uh, that there's definitely a Baymax comparison. If you had a social media robot, how do you, how would you most effectively use your social media robot to get your footprint out there? Because, because Dave, you're 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 you know you're the 1920s generation. I get it. Like that new technology would confuse you and frighten you. Uh, you probably yeah, he has more, he has more followers on Twitter than all of us. True, true. He, he, he had his grandchild program that um that uh, who's the what's it that that fake follower account. New one. I just kept you buying of- lots of burner accounts, Pat. Lots of burner accounts. Lots of burner accounts. All of them coming from PC Tunny too. So I'm highly. Well, I'm not as active as I used to be. <laughs> I, so how, how are you using your social media robot, Dave? Yeah, that's, I mean, when I, when I look at what I do as social media and that's, I mean, I, I would just be like, I mean, I don't know, probably have them just try and program in interests and things to look for and things to tweet out. We could use a social media robot for bandwagon nerds, you know, somebody to that's regularly somebody pump out social media. Yeah, somebody to regularly pump boring. out stuff. 
Dave, your answer is boring. I know it is. My, my one answer, two words: world domination. That's what I'm using my okay. social media robot. I I can I can get behind that. I'm a little concerned that that's what Ron does because he like uh, his his misprogramming leads to chaos and like. It looks like robots taking over the world. So good one for the family. Looks like it'll be a lot of fun. And I think, like I said, very relevant to to where we are as a people these days in terms of our use of social media and our various platforms. The next trailer, we're going to jump into the DC universe for a trilogy of animated films that are coming soon. The first trailer just dropped for Aquaman, King of Atlantis, and... I got to be honest, guys, not what I was expecting. This is definitely a comedic take on the character with some interesting looking animation that is very akin to the Thundercats cartoon that's going on um, over on Cartoon Network. So, and Aquaman's kind of a goof. Like, we, we, at least in this 40 second trailer that they gave us Rex, uh, for, for, um, for HBO Max. It's kind of a goof. Where do we where do we stand on Goofy Aquaman? Tony, how do you feel about Goofy Aquaman? I thought that's what they were trying to get away from, right? Uh, Hasn't that kind of been the like part of the onus like from the beginning of time for Aquaman, you know? Everybody pictures the very interesting what is it, the the yellow uh top and, and green bottom and blonde haired kind of cartoon, right? Um I don't know. I, I I've never really been a big fan. It's it's one of those characters where I'm just kind of, eh, I don't really have a strong distaste, but it's something I'm not really lining up. Like, even Jason Momoa, I wasn't a big kind of Aquaman fan there. I didn't actually see the entire movie, he solo movie he did either. So I, it's something I wouldn't watch regardless of what kind of way they were going to put that out there. So, Dave, that begs the question. Can this animated trilogy of films make Aquaman compelling enough for Tony to watch an entire trilogy. No, absolutely not. If he, <laughs> if he doesn't like, I mean, look, either you dig Aquaman or you don't, I don't, he's not one of those middle ground characters. So yeah. I'm not cheating on Aquaman lovers. You know, I mean, if you got a problem with what I said, send your hate mail to it's me DPP. I mean, just do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, I mean, Aquaman is one of those. I mean, he's he's underrated badly. I think a lot of us who like him have have noted that. But this cartoon or animation looks like it's really steering. It's like steering into the skid as far as some of the public perception of what Aquaman is. Like he's goofy, he's lame, he's kind of nerdy. Who is this douchebag? All he does is talk to fish. And this seems like. Whereas the live action movies are getting away from that and showing what a badass Aquaman can be, this one's going in the opposite direction. Hey, let's play into this. Let's steer into this this skit a little bit and have some fun with it. So will it get people like Tunny off the fence saying, yeah, I, I'm an Aquaman fan? No, not at all. But it, it should be fun otherwise. Yeah, I I don't know about this, guys. I I think I'm right there with you. I I don't know how I feel about it. Though I did get a laugh at his inability to sit in the throne as he tries to take the little Atlantis throne and he keeps like sliding out of it like down like this, like having to pick himself back up. And he was just like, is there another throne? And they're like, no, no, you don't get one. Uh, But, you know, kudos does the 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 strength of the dc animation studios 
give them a little license to try something weird like this. Uh, well, oh wow! <laughs> I mean, when you <laughs> when you take a look at the anim- Mr. DC's not on board. No, when you take a look at the animation from this, you can tell right I, away this like is good not. Stuff. Yeah, you can tell right away this is not the DC animated universe. This is something different. Um, you know, does I don't know because it, you know we we're going to talk Shang Chi in a little bit, and and I know we both did our reviews and talked about the strength. I mean, I I harped on the power of the MCU as a brand. And DC Animated Universe has not the same, of course, comparable in certain ways to that. But I don't think they've got that much power that they can just throw something. Hey, if it's DC and it's animated, everybody's going to assume it's great. I I don't see this resonating with people like that because, you know, when you're thinking DC animation, you've got at least me, I've got it in my head. It's going to be something like they're going to take a really good storyline and turn it into an animation or they're going to run something like new 52 based and have some sort of continuity through there for six or eight movies or something. But, but when you take one look at this and say, what the hell are they trying to do here? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that I don't think they've got license to do whatever they want just because DC animated universe has been so successful because it's clear from five seconds looking at this, like, okay, that's not, <laughs> that's not the DC animated universe we're dealing with here. Well, this is where HBO Max comes in as a good vehicle to release it, I would say. Releasing it on streaming, something. And if it if it takes off, great. If it gets you the downloads, great. Again, Aquaman fans, if you are disappointed in Dave's reaction, you can also send your hate tweets to at it's me DP. Uh, and you know, he'll he'll take all of your he'll take all of your concerns and and you know do something with them. Who knows? All right. This next trailer that I put out there to all of you guys was a three minute long trailer that again is very personal to me because I loved this show and in a long line of great shows that probably went on about two seasons too long and ended with a thud showtime is briefly bringing back Dexter for a one season sort of hopeful follow up and finish titled Dexter new blood. And this was the first lengthy look we got to see of what happened to Dexter after that weird shot of him in a cabin with a full beard. And frankly, I mean, I don't, guys, did you watch the show? Either of you? Did either of you watch the show? Is it on your to-do list? Get walking, it on your- bad, wa- walking, uh, walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Dexter are three I have still in the chamber that I can go ahead and watch. And I think I will love them all equally. Like a lot of series, isn't there a series that you go, man, I wish I could erase that from my memory and watch it over again? Well, at least I feel like I have three of those kind of quality series left. So I I have not seen it. Nor have I, although my wife is a big Dexter fan and uh, she would be great to bring in and talk about it. But I haven't seen any of it. I know what it's about, but I haven't seen it. Right. I got to tell you that the first four seasons i want to say first three the first three definitely but the first four i do believe are, are are really really good and then it just sort of falls off a cliff uh and gets a little more ridiculous than than i would have cared for and and the last season in particular like it just it didn't it, it could have been so much more uh or i just felt like it could have been so much better and and it ended with such a thud i'm really excited for this and and some of the things that they revealed in this trailer 
uh, you know, you see Dexter still kind of doing the same thing he's always done. And, and the, the basic conceit is that he was a young boy uh, or when he was a young boy, uh, his mother and father were criminals. They were murderers. And they, he was in a, a truck with his parents when they were brutally murdered. And he is found covered in blood by a police officer. And this officer adopts him into his family and raises the child as his own. And as the kid is growing up, the police officer recognizes that there is something very wrong with this boy. He's murdering small animals and is fascinated with just cutting things open and just killing him. And rather than sending him to an institution, the police officer father teaches him how to manage his, what he describes as his dark passenger by basically helping him find victims that fit a certain code. And so he won't murder anyone unless he can prove that they deserve to be murdered. And basically he becomes a serial killer for other killers and he keeps this secret. He works for a police department. He works for the Los Angeles Police Department as a forensic scientist with who, who is an expert in blood spatters. And it's just it's fascinating to me because this whole the whole story, like it's him wrestling with what's right and what's wrong. And he lives this double life where he has a, a girlfriend, he gets married to her, he has a kid. And meanwhile, he's desperately spinning all these plates to keep his identity and his secrets safe. And throughout the the whole series, various folks are kind of on to him and trying to track him down and figure him out and bust him um, or catch him as he is. And it's really, really well done. The season with John Lithgow, which I do believe is season three, season two or season three. Or no, it's not season two. Season three, I think it's season three, um, is just some of the best work of that show. Lithgow in particular is amazing, and this this extra series looks like it's going to bring back some of those threads. Uh, it's going to bring back his son Harrison, who is now older. Uh, when we last see Harrison, um, he's sent away with basically. Dexter's girlfriend at the time, who was played by Yvonne Strahovski or something like that, from uh, most most known as the love interest from Chuck. And um, I'm just I'm very very excited for this series. I hope that it's uh, it's it feels like a, a make for Showtime. I hope it is uh, something that that turns out well. I hope it gets received and reviewed well because I think that that is something that those fans want very very badly uh, to have come back. So. That'll that'll be my plug for Dexter New Blood. Check it out. It's coming uh, in October. Like so many other things seem to be coming uh, to Showtime, coming back to Showtime. I wasn't sure watching it, whether it was a movie or the beginning of a series, but it's it's going to be a series. series. Yeah, limited run series. Uh, I think the only thing that's kind of going to be sad is um, how much of the rest of the original cast aren't going to be a part of this like that. I'd really like for them to come back in some way, shape or form. I think some of them will. I don't think all of them will. Uh, But that brings us to our last trailer in the trailer park and the big one to be revealed this week revealed on Thursday, the matrix resurrection. And before we talk about the trailer itself, 
I got to tip my hat, regardless of uh, uh, as to whether or not this movie is bad, good, indifferent. Coming out in December, December twenty second, the marketing was is is on point. Uh, from just even the lead up to the trailer, where you can go to the you go to the website and you choose a red pill or a blue pill, and depending on which pill you choose and what time of day, you got a different set of snippets from the film. To now, this full trailer that shows a lot but shows you nothing and in in true trailer fashion uh is enough to me for me to be like damn i guess i gotta kind of see this huh so gentlemen dave you're saying yeah why don't you start give us your thoughts on the matrix resurrection yeah as much as i shat upon the uh title of this a couple weeks ago it's just being you know (laughs) so many religious overtones with two and three, and then you're going in this direction. Still, the the trailer, uh, I, I do like how the internet was abuzz with the fact that John Wick is now in the Matrix, and, and he's now supplanted Neo. And there is a definite resemblance there between the two. There's um, the, the good thing about the trailer is that you really don't know, you know, is the Matrix still a thing? And if so, what kind of thing is it? Because... They talk about him having to go back to where it all began, back to the Matrix. So you presume that it exists. And, and you know, and, and yeah, there's like you're saying, Pat, there's a lot of questions. You know, he meets up with Trinity somewhere and they shake hands and like, do we know each other? And and it's Carrie Ann Moss and and they're like trying to figure this thing out. But, yeah, you don't get you don't get a whole lot from here. We don't really know what, uh you know, what kind of plot twist, what we're going to do. What is the Matrix? What aspect of what existed before still permeates now all these years later and and what's brand new so it's it's like you're saying it's a good enough trailer to get me interested to say okay yeah i I, maybe i'm on the fence about a lot of things with this movie but i'm definitely going to check it out especially and hbo max is smart they're not scaling back like disney has and they're still holding to their guns and we're going to release this on hbo max at the same time and i think for this kind of movie it's a smart move because it's it's an un, it's an uncertainty how it's going to be received all these years later. But yeah, the trailer was cool. I, I I'm definitely interested to see what this movie is really about and and how things have progressed since the last time we saw Neo. So I've never actually seen any of the Matrix movies from beginning to end. I know I've seen all of the first, the original one. Like I know that movie, but the second and third, I'm not very familiar with. So. My biggest question is, is this a way to bring this back and carry it forward without Keanu maybe possibly after this? Or is this a way to just put a nice ribbon on this thing? Because I'm actually interested in it. You know, it's coming out on HBO Max. And it, like you said, Dave, this is the perfect way to do it for this kind of movie because you're probably going to introduce a lot of new fans to streaming uh, that that have these streaming services that may not have seen The Matrix that were you know maybe too young at the time. I don't know. I would guess, Pat, I'm not sure what you think, but I would I would almost guess it's it's kind of a way to maybe it is a way to expand upon the series and do it without without Keanu and kind of use him to bridge where they are and where they're going. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. It is a popular enough property that there must be demand for it to bring it back after all these years. Um so 
yeah, if they could, if they could build a, maybe, maybe they're setting it up for some streaming series, the matrix streaming series or something, which I wouldn't be against. It just depends on how it's all presented and, and, and what we get out of this movie. But yeah, I could see them going in that direction. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see it going either way, whether it be a series or, or a continuation of movies. I think the one conceit, and I've used that word twice now, so maybe I need to stop using it. Um, that if you remember from the Matrix trilogy, the original trilogy, there's always a new one that that keeps coming back, and so the one has actually been around for for centuries. Because what you learn is that time in the Matrix has been held pretty static. In the film, it's held pretty static to the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and that the one, just when when things hit a certain breaking point between humans and the machines, the one is kind of brought in to clean it all up. And what's unique in this time where we're telling the story of Neo is Agent Smith and the damage that Agent Smith has done to the Matrix itself. And and the agreement that's made at the end of the Matrix is that anybody who wants to be freed from the Matrix can be freed. Um, that is, and the, and the Matrix will allow it. And those who want to remain can remain. And so it's this uneasy truce between the humans and the Matrix, as opposed to what you learn in the second one, where the Matrix basically uses the one, knows about the one, allows the one to do its purge, and then just starts things all over again once the one has died. And so I think this could bring be rise of, the, of a new one. We do see an old man Neo walking throughout the trailer at one point, and so it does lend me to believe that you know he's at some point you know going to pass again. Um, the thing that you know, Dave, you brought up. The Matrix trilogy has always been one loaded with religious imagery and overtones. I don't see that changing at all uh, in this new film. I think that we're we're still going to see more of it. I mean, the title itself, Resurrection, just kind of fills in with with where we were at the end of of the Matrix. Because remember, Neo has died at the end of the the, the Matrix for the second time. He dies in the first one and is brought back by Trinity. He dies in the third one and people are finding their way and that and that's kind of the end of it so it'll be i'm interested i'm intrigued i will go see in the theater because kind of like dune i just feel like it's the type of movie that's going to be worth seeing in a movie theater and on an imax screen like like that's the other thing with dune is i'm I'm like all in on going to see yeah uh dune on an imax screen because it's just that feels like how you need to see it so what would be interesting uh, about this movie and and i I think you you almost have to mention it because if you don't you know it's kind of like ingenuous but the change that the wachowskis have gone through over the years with the with the gender switch um how is that going to influence this movie compared to where it was before i'm because i I think there's going to be some of that i don't think it's going to be any you know seismic shift in how they approach it but um, I do think there's going to be some of that influence in the movie, and I'm interested to see what the sisters have done with it this this time around as far as what their new perspective on the world has is going to translate over into this film because, you know, in, in the 90s, it was very religiously motivated, and this one seems like it's going to have that like you're saying, Pat, but they could be swerving us and it might go in another direction entirely because obviously they've been through a tremendous ordeal, well, not an ordeal, 
but they've been through a lot since the last time we saw Neo Trinity. Sure. Um, Morpheus isn't in this. I guess that's his kid. Is that? Oh weird? no, it is Morpheus. Okay. That, that is that has been revealed um, in an interview later. It's just a new iteration of Morpheus. Uh, kind of like the way the Lawrence, Oracle changed mid series last time. Yeah. Well, she died. I mean, it wasn't like to change her. <laughs> um, the actress died. So like that, that just happens. Uh, yeah. I'll be intrigued to see how these threads fit together. Cause Morpheus is definitely a part of this movie as well. They, they made that clear. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for us in the trailer park. We have to take a second commercial break and then we're going to go into our news around the nerdosphere, which is a lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, before we go into our recorded commercials, I do want to take a moment and remind you all that if you love what we do here over at thechairshot.com and on the Chairshot Radio Network, then you need to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and invest in a Chairshot shirt. We have all kinds of great stuff there from our logos to our shows, shirts to just various phrasings that, that we say on a weekly basis from hashtag journalism, save tag team wrestling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Also, if you love us, there is a delightful bandwagon nerd shirt for you that you can purchase as well. You can either spend your $19.99 for a standard style, or if you're feeling fancy, want to have something feel nice on your giblets, spend a few, few dollars more and get a shirt soft style. We Greatly appreciate all of the support that you can give us. And the best way that you can help us keep our our shows running seven days a week is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a shirt. When we come back, news around the Nerdosphere, and we will start with your weekly Scarlett Johansson update. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com. All right, welcome back. As I mentioned right before we went into the commercial break, it's time for your weekly Scarlett Johansson update, fellas. And this week, the reports are that ScarJo in her lawsuit points out that she tried to reach a deal with Disney prior to suing them to negotiate money that she felt she would be able to, that, that she deserved with the Disney plus reliefs in the number, in the number range of $100 million. Question number one. Was Scarlett Johansson off base in a $100 million request? Tony. I'll just give a comedic response and Dave can start us with this question. Um, I want to know what kind of jokes Colin Jost is going to be making at Disney's expense as this goes along on Weekend Update once Saturday Night Live kicks off. Dave, why don't you uh, go ahead? 
give a real response. Uh, well, based on the numbers that she was quoting, then I would say that it's probably not an unreasonable request. Now, whether whether the numbers she quoted were accurate or not is another story entirely. And Dizzy's going to say, no, 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 that's not that's not accurate. But I think, go ahead, Tony. I know you want to say something. I do want to ask you a question, considering this legally. Like, isn't it, though, the more you ask for, the, the more you're eventually going to get, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, if they're anticipating litigation or whatever, going to court, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to ask for a lot more than you think you're actually worth, considering generally most of the time you're going to some, you know, percentile. No, that's true. You usually go and you ask for much more than you feel your case is worth, uh, figuring that the other side is going to lowball you. And, you know, the, the general idea is hopefully you end up meeting somewhere in the middle at a point where both parties can say, yeah, I can accept that. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I think the fact that she's bringing this up that she tried to negotiate. So to me, legally, it seems like she did try to modify her contract before suing and Disney blew her off. So she's going to be able to go in there into arbitration or mediation or something, say, look, I recognize what they were doing with my contract. I tried to mitigate the damage that I thought would be done to me. They ignored me. So I had to sue. So if there is some clause in her contract that prohibited this lawsuit or limited this lawsuit, she can come back and say, I jumped through your stupid administrative hoops by trying to negotiate this with you before I took you to court and you guys just blew me off. So I think it, from my standpoint, this seems like this this article leaking at this point in time seems like a, a, a some legal maneuvering on the part of her camp to say, hey, look, we recognize that this streaming model was going to be a problem that it didn't compensate, didn't compensate Scarlett fully for what she thought she was going to get. We tried to fix that same way like Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot fixed it with HBO Max, you know, but Disney just blew her off. So we had no choice but to sue because there is the court of public opinion and is very important in this whole situation. And this and the court so far, public opinion has been solidly in Scar Joe's corner. This helps that, I think, additionally. So it's it's funny that or it's good that you mentioned the, the where they got their projection because this was a conversation we had pre last week um where ray is sold that this movie would have made a billion dollars and when you read the article this total was calculated based on what the star would receive in a hypothetical global box office take of 1.2 billion and they said they based it on the totals of past MCU movies. Now, what's interesting is that the the projections based on the 372.3 million that is earned worldwide, and that's probably pandemic influenced. Um, the argument is is that this movie is really going to earn closer to 500 million, and that's I mean, even even that is really low for for what we've come to expect out of a Disney film. Yeah, it's right. it's so hard because you're you're dealing with a lot of unknowns here. If you're saying, OK, we took an average of the last five MCU films and they made one point three billion. OK, I can buy that. But the problem is now you've got to add in the variable global pandemic. You got to add in the variable the streaming service. And, and so it, it's really you know, 
people talk about data and they talk about garbage in garbage out and that sort of thing. Everything depends on the validity and the accuracy of the numbers you are feeding into this formula. And yeah, they, they want to feed in 1.2, 1.5 billion that may or may not be realistic. And, and that's where this, that's, that's Disney's strongest sword back against her saying bullshit. You know, you're assuming it would have done this. You're not being, you know, when they say you're not being really realistic about the pandemic, now, as far as her, you know, suing them and, and not taking into consideration the pandemic, that's bullshit. But as far as I'm saying, you're not factoring that into your equations. They've got a point there. Yeah, they're not. They're not wrong there. I don't think at all. Um, Dave, I just oh, it. You know what? It it just really pains me though because everything that's going on in the world, and then on top of it, we gotta like deal with millionaires and billionaires arguing. You know, it's just like, come on. But it's like we said last week, this was a necessary lawsuit to bring this situation to a head, petty though it may be. And I guarantee you this, we've all said it, this will never see a courtroom. Disney's already got it out of the courtroom. It's going to settle out of court. They're pushing this. I give this three months tops before it's all over and done with. But, you know, yeah, I I get you're saying, Tony, it's like, yeah, billionaires arguing with millionaires over their take of this stuff and, and who the hell cares. But for Hollywood, it's a big deal. You know, it because you've got to you've got to adjust to the changing of the model, and that's what this is all about. Even if it is some petty bullshit along the way. So, Dave, you just brought it up, but I'm going to just ask you to say it again for those in the back. This case doesn't reach a courtroom. No chance. It, it would be a colossal mistake on both parties to put this in front of a jury. I just nobody. No, you're not going to. Nobody comes out a winner in a situation like this where you leave it up to 12 men and women to decide how much this is worth. I, I don't, you don't want to do that. I, I don't think that it's beneficial for Scarlett or for Disney to not to remove their own. Cause right now both parties have some level of control over what happens. Once you put that in the hands of a judge and jury, <laughs> anybody who's watched any kind of trial or been involved in, in anything that's gone to a jury, OJ Simpson, any of that stuff, weird shit happens. Once you get 12 people, and civil is even different because you don't need it. It doesn't have to be unanimous. You just get a majority to say, "Well, we think it's worth X amount of dollars," and there you go. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I, I really don't see this one going to going to court. I just, it just would not benefit anybody. It's definitely not. Yeah, I, I, you know, I really think it's like you said. It's the the court of public opinion. At the end, does it do either? Is this really just going to be who who is made to look less bad? Right. And I think that's why you get it out of, you know, you get it behind closed doors. You get it in front of an arbitrator. You get it in front of a mediator. You try and stop this stuff from leaking to the press so that everybody gets a spin on it. And then you get, you know, podcasts like us and, you know, the Nerdist and God knows who else out there all rendering their own opinions and influencing the public. It's just it's not a good look for anybody. And everybody knows that we here at the bandwagon have a strong influence over the public. At least 22 of them. Yeah, we do. That's right. There you go. There you go. Excellent. All right. Well, as we know, this saga is not over. It will continue. And you will hear us cover it here on the bandwagon until the bitter end. But I want to talk about the rest of the, rest of the news around the Nerdosphere. Um, 
was actually a lot more fun to talk about, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about three different things here before we get into Shang-Chi. The first is, I again, things that I feel like as a nerd we missed and messed up. And, um, you know, maybe if we, I don't know, maybe if DP was still a part of the show, we would have been a little more in tune with this. But PlayStation had an event this past week. PlayStation Showcase 2021 uh, re- just open the floodgates with game announcements for mostly the PlayStation five, but some PlayStation, uh, some PlayStation four adjacent games, like coming out for both. But on Thursday, they, they did a stream for 40 minutes and just announced game after game. And the reason I chose this as a topic is because four games that they announced, I feel like fit our audience and that is you know we got a, a reveal of spider-man 2 uh a follow-up to the was it two years ago the hit that was their most recent open world spider-man game uh this one now including the villain venom uh a trailer announcing a wolverine game coming up that we saw no actual gameplay footage but the trailer itself was just wolverine and all his badassness so one coincides with obviously Venom, it, it, the movie's coming out, right? And right. like maybe secretly we're going to get Wolverine somewhere. I don't know. Booking by <laughs> One can hope. They brought a new Guardians of the Galaxy game is coming out. And then the biggest one for me and the one that I'll talk about last is a game that I've long wanted to play that I've never been able to play that is getting released and remade for the PlayStation 5. And that is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Along with those games, they also showed some God of War footage for the next God of War movie, Ragnarok movie game, God of War Ragnarok, which will will wrap up, you know, Kratos' current story arc. Another GTA, uh, Grand Theft Auto V, has been announced as being delayed, and some Uncharted remasters coming out, as well as Gran Turismo 7. Just a lot of, like, just exciting game news that's that's coming to hit. Gran Turismo 7, by the way, for those of you who care, March 4th, 2022, uh, is the announced release date, and there's a trailer as well. Um, So, yeah, you know, out of the stuff that I've laid out there, What's intriguing? What's not intriguing? Do you care? Was this just you know important to me and nobody else? Thoughts on PlayStation Showcase 2021 and their announcements, Dave? Well, I think I'd be more excited if you could actually get a PlayStation Five. That would help my excitement level a lot. But right now, exclusive. that's huh? exclusive. You are part of an elite group if you can get a PlayStation Five. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I, and I think Ray I, has one. Who? DP has one. Ray and DP both have Do one. Do they? Does Ray have one? Damn it. Ray. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Dave. I don't have one. I've been trying, but I don't have one. But I think that would help a little bit if, you know, if I was looking at these games that finally, you know, a, a year into the launch, we're getting the, uh, the launches of games that are actually important and that sort of thing. But yeah, Knights of the Old Republic for sure. That's the one that the remake of that and, and you got it and it doesn't look like Darth Malak or, or Revan from the first one who you're dealing with. This is some different character. So, I mean, anybody, if you remember the video game project, KOTOR was my number one game of all time. So, yeah, you think you're excited. Feel these nipples, to quote PC Tunny. Kaboom. 
it's it's a game uh, I've always. I never I never had a, an Xbox. I didn't I didn't get it for PC. And it was never released for PlayStation. So any iteration of this game, you got an iPad? I, no, as it's it's available on the iPad. So no, I don't. Um, is a Wolverine game gonna move any needles? Do we care about Wolverine? Yeah, I think so. I, I think like the like the Guardians game you mentioned as well. That one, that one looks like that could that's going to be good. It depends how much they improve upon the Avengers model, which was admittedly much better on the PS5 than the other si- systems. So, but Wolverine is um I. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I, you know, it depends whether they can capture like what Spider-Man captured and turn will, that will into be, a good game. Will it be more than a button mashing game? That's that's the real question. Probably not. Hack and, <laughs> it's it's obviously a hack and slash. But I'm Ching. I, was waiting I see for what that. you did. I was waiting for that. You guys are just slow on the uptake. I, I'm mainly a sports gamer, but uh, the, the remastered Uncharted. Uh, stuff i'm looking forward to that i really enjoyed that game it, i always just kind of as far as you know marvel goes and 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 kind of things that are also in movies that have video games i always kind of look for comparisons and maybe you know got some easter eggs in there for somebody who's paying attention it's always interesting to see the comparisons i'm still waiting for the mandalorian video game because that was just basically a video game I want to let me ask you guys this because I threw it out there in another something else linked during the week. They say GM modes returning to WWE 2K22. Is that something that you guys are remotely interested in, or yes, no, maybe so? I, you know, I I tend to find myself creating my own character and liking to go through their thing. Um, once I get through with that, yeah, it's nice to have a fun GM mode because. After you're done with your character and doing the storylines, you definitely want to go in and kind of set up your own thing as far as uh, being a general manager. So, yeah, I can appreciate that. I mean, you can book your territory however you want with, you know, you can. The best thing, Dave, right, is you can take different eras and book them inside of Raw and SmackDown, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been doing universe mode for years now on on 2K and even even as as glitchy and shitty as 2k20 is you can still do universe mode pretty well and uh but yeah like you said you can have wrestlers from different promotions different eras throw them all together and see what happens so we'll see personally i i probably won't buy the game um regardless because i'm odd enough wrestling games outside of back in the early 90s the old school arcade royal rumble game that they came out where it was just not that complicated and he chokes people and threw them out of the ring. And that was basically, that was basically the Royal rumble game. Give me, give me Mr. Perfect or the narcissist Lex Luger for the win to heal it up and throw people out of the ring left and right. But for sports games, like you, Tony, you were talking about this, like you like sports games. I love, um, franchise modes. I love, um, like I, you know, I make no secret. The football game I play more than any other is NCAA football 2014, and I loved their last system for doing the um, the dynasty mode because you are a head coach that earns experience as you accomplish in-game goals that then allows you to do things like recruit, 
uh, build schedules. I alter the conferences as much as I can to match up with current conferences, which is getting really fucking hard, SEC, because the game doesn't have enough slots for the amount of fucking teams you put on your fucking game. Slots. So annoying. Uh, but, but yeah, I do love, and, and when I used to play Madden on the regular, that like, I could get really lost in the weeds managing like salary cap and trades and, and all that stuff. And like, I would always keep like fair trades on so that you had to, you actually had to do some work to actually get trades through. Like you couldn't just be like, no, no, I want, and I'm going to show my years here. I want Peyton Manning to join the bears so that he could throw to Devin Hester or, you know, whoever. What's wrong with that? Uh, I turned salary cap off. I'm like, nah, man, I need, no, I need no, some freedom here. I love, like, it was the same thing. Fucking Dave's the Yankees. When I played the NCAA, when I played the NCAA basketball game, and it had, like, infractions, like, that, you know, like, you could get, like, hit with infractions by the NCAA that would, like, cause you to, like, have to forfeit games or get suspensions or, like, minor penalties. I loved that stuff. Uh, And Madden, when a player would hold out, I remember every year I would have a fullback hold out. And I'm like, you're a fucking fullback. Why are you holding out for more money, dude? You're a fullback. Stop it. Yeah, I, I pay I, you. Like when I turn the salary cap off, but I'll still stick with the free agency pool. I won't make crazy trades like yeah, Russell Wilson's coming to Washington or 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 um, you know, or anything like that. You know, I'll still stick with what the game's giving me. It's it's crazy. I've never like thought about bringing a different quarterback into Green Bay. I can't imagine why. I mean, Sorry, I'm mean, I, Andy Andy Dalton bring trade him for Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure the Bears would go for that. Yeah, we're in. So you could hit uh, Samurai Aaron, right? I I I honestly think I would vomit if we had Aaron Rodgers on our team. Like we traded for Aaron oh, Rodgers. Get the fuck out of here! You'd like, be fucking tickled pink. Like, You'd be as tickled pink as the Blaz boys were when Brady went to the Buccaneers. I, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. Fuck, give me a break. He would be spewing right. so much. He'd be spewing so much Green Bay front office hate that you Chicagoans and Illinoisites would fucking get right up and behind him. You'd be all like, right. oh my God, Aaron, you're the best. You've hated Green Bay all along. Anyway, fuck yeah. Aaron. No denial. A little, it's not just a river in Egypt. Let's move on to another little bit of MCU news as Dave announced to us that we needed to have our salt shakers ready and i wasn't actually going to share this article but then it picked up steam in some other locations so i went ahead and ran with it Um, but basically the rumor that's floating around out there is that marvel and disney want chris evans back to reprise his role as captain america in a fantastic four movie ray then followed that up with again it I don't know how much I believe this because because Ray say Ray's article was like Chris Evans wants one hundred million dollars to come oh back and, to come back and play Captain America for for Fantastic Four. I, I love this rumor. I think it's a beautiful rumor. I don't know that I buy this rumor any further than I can throw it because I, I just don't I don't know. I don't buy it. So, Tony, I'm going to start with you. Chris Evans coming back as Steve Rogers in any capacity as Captain America in a Fantastic Four movie. I would say that if it happens, it would mean 
for him and Disney, a whole lot of. <laughs> it would be worth it for Disney. I think it'd be worth it for Disney. I think it's ridiculous ask, but I think they should do it because I think they would come out, you know, in the black on it for sure. <laughs> Big time. I shit. Maybe in a cameo. I could see that. I, I think the article I sent you was they were talking about him doing cameos for Johnny Storm and Steve Rogers, which would be interesting. But, you know, it, if you bring him in as Captain America in any capacity in a Fantastic Four movie, it does have the effect of almost immediately legitimizing the Fantastic Four and kind of moving that in the direction of, OK, this will be a decent movie. But see, I'm not really worried about that because we're going to talk Shang-Chi and Marvel does no wrong. So I have zero doubt that Fantastic Four that they're going to do is going to be fantastic. Uh, <laughs> pun intended. I don't know what Cap, you know, I don't know what Steve Rogers, Captain America brings to that equation. I don't know if you bring Chris Evans back. What does that do to Sam Wilson's Captain America or whatever? They're trying to establish him as a character. So I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, it started off with we got this covered. So, yeah, salt shakers at the ready. I, I don't I don't I don't think they need it. I don't see what it benefits them so, other than name recognition. So I think the name recognition is part of it. But here's here's my thought. Um, it doesn't do anything to Sam Wilson's Captain America because it's not going to be a living Captain America that we would see. I think it's a flashback Captain America, if it's anything. It's some sort of connection to Reed Richards in the Baxter building, some way to legitimize the Fantastic Four without hurting what they've done with Sam Wilson and that Captain America role. I, It's fascinating to me that, that I, I really think that this is very speculative. I think that, like, I, I don't know that I'm buying this rumor on any level just yet because – and we'll talk again. You're right. We're going to talk about this. Shocking. They don't need a Captain America to legitimize a new character because they have other characters that can do that. that currently exist that are under contract and making appearances for movies in some fairly exciting and interesting ways. So, yeah, I put that out there because it is out there because it has been picked up by some other outlets, not necessarily the completely reputable outlets yet, but it's, it's being put out there. And, and when that happens, you, you've got to, as Roman Reigns would say, acknowledge it. I'm just waiting but for the Dave Meltzer star rating on the rumor, and then we'll know it's real. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, then it's legit. But what is actually legit, because it's made news all over the place, we, we talked about you know, Sony and PlayStation put out a bunch of news. Disney was busy on Friday and put out a ton of news with various release dates, so many release dates. I don't, I don't even know where to start. Here's where I'll start. Um, before we even talk about the slate of release dates that they put out there, one of the things that they did do is that they doubled down and committed to no more movies being released as part of Premier Access this year for Disney+. Plus. So the remainder of 2021, if you want to see a movie that is produced by Disney, it will be exclusively in theaters for a period of at least 45 days before it hits any streaming service. There's the impact that, of the lawsuit right there. I mean, you think that's not that, a reaction to that? That is absolutely an impact to the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. But to me, 
I just they put out a plethora of dates. We got let's let's see what we got here. We got an announced date on a new Indiana Jones movie. Indiana Jones Five is going to be released basically less than a year from now, like ten months from now, July 29th, twenty twenty-two. They announced multiple Marvel Studio dates with seven unannounced movies on their new release schedule, starting with the twenty-eighth. Uh, I was that uh, July twenty-eighth, twenty twenty-three, October sixth, twenty twenty-three, November tenth, twenty twenty-three. February 16th, 2024, February, May 3rd, 2024, July 26th, 2024, and then November 8th, 2024. Then you go to Star Wars. They, they announced Star Wars dates, too. We now have Star Wars dates for, um, oh, shoot, and I lost the Star Wars dates. Where are the Star Wars dates? Christ. One of them is Rogue One, or not Rogue One, Rogue yeah. Squadron, excuse me. Right. I said I have too many Twitter because they all came out like in like Twitter announcements. So I got to reclick on a link here. Um, but theirs is a little more even more evened out as it's done over uh, the same December time period. December 23rd, 2023 is Rogue Squadron. December 19th, 2025 is an untitled Star Wars flick. And December 17th, 2027 is an untitled Star Wars flick. Basically, every two years, you get something for Star Wars. And then in the years and the Decembers in between, Avatar films. So Disney was busy with this. I have two questions. One, which release dates do we care about out of the schedule? And two, there's been some opinions from some punditry out there that Disney is making some level of a mistake by sewing these dates up without finished product projects and titles in those dates. Is that a valid concern? Let's start with what do you, what do you care about? And then we'll go to the, the validity of, of the punditry. So Dave, what do you want to, what do you care? I mean, I think the star Wars dates are more significant because now you've got the confirmation that, I mean, we knew Rogue Squadron was coming, but now you've got confirmation that there are two more full-length movies that had been rumored that they were doing it, but now you've actually got dates attached to them. So that tells me that... Well, he's got a trilogy. What's that? Taika Waititi's got a trilogy. Right. Like right. We- right. Now, so now you, it tells me, okay, they're further along in the process. You know, we knew, like you're saying, Taika Waititi was going to have a trilogy, but no one knew when the dates were, when they were looking. And we don't know if this is his trilogy or something else entirely. The Marvel stuff was like, we knew that things were coming. Um, We still, I mean, that's the thing. You've got dates, but you're still wild speculation as to which movies are going to be slotted into which slot. So, you know, that, that part was like, okay, I knew that this stuff was coming. We knew they've got, maybe not to this extent where they're releasing, you know, here, 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 here. And you're like, okay, what do we slot in here? But I thought the star Wars stuff was, um, was a little bit more important as far as whether they made a mistake by attaching dates. No, because I think right by now we're all of the understanding that with, uh, with the MCU, it's like a good wrestling card card subject to change. And that's been prevalent through the last couple of years with the, with the pandemic going on. So there it's like the pirates code. These are more guidelines than actual rules. You know, we're, we're shooting for this. If it doesn't happen, sorry, we tried. So I'm not holding their feet to the fire and saying it's got to be done on this day. Damn it. But 
you know, it's it's nice to know that this is their plan and this is what they're shooting for. I, in, to answer in chronological order, uh, Eternals and everything Star Wars. Um, and and it's not like I'm not going to tune into all the things that Marvel has coming out too because I'm really excited for that as well. But specifically Eternals and and yes, any continuation of the Star Wars story for me is just you know it moves way up on the priority list. I think Dave hit it on the head after having uh, Black Widow just continued to be fucked around with as far as the date goes. I think people are pretty lenient on that now. I think you've been kind of taught to accept that in the current times until we actually get back to some kind of normal for an extended period of time. So I think we're all just happy that a lot of great content is coming out, regardless of whether or not, you know, cards subject to change, date subject to change, basically. No love for Indiana Jones, huh? I am not. I liked the first couple and I didn't like the last couple. And I mean, are they just trying to wait until Harrison Ford actually legitimately crashes his plane and and kills off his character in the movie? Or what what are we trying to do here? I mean, I'm kind of... I was, is the did the fourth one leave such a bitter taste in your mouth that it's funny man i was listening back to an episode from last year where we were talking about this exact topic indy five and how yeah temple or whatever the fucking crystal skull thing ruined all of us so badly like you know pat you were saying that it was one of the movies that you legitimately thought about walking out during and yeah that's I how bad so that's bad. how bad it was and, yeah, um, i did and and so it's it's hard to get excited because yeah you don't with Indy five Harrison Ford is like wow you know he you know what are we gonna do with Indy in this whole thing and why but the alternative is like are they bringing back Shia LaBeouf as Mutt his son what the hell are we doing so no one knows what the hell's happening with that movie and and I I mean we're all probably gonna go see it regardless but am I excited about it? Blow us away. <laughs> am I excited about it? No, I don't know. I, I, and here's the thing is I actually brought that up because you're, I'm with you guys. I'm not particularly excited about this because it's the fifth – because of the fourth one. The fourth one – you're right. I nearly walked out of the theater because it was so bad. I mean, it's Rise of Skywalker bad, guys. No, no, like, no. you on that same episode that said you never thought about Patrick, leaving. You Patrick, never thought about leaving during Rise of Skywalker. But Patrick, 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 Patrick. Patrick made a rise. There you go. Come on. It was too easy to pass out. It was really bad. It is really, really, really bad. And there's there's just a lot of goodwill for me that's been lost with George Lucas. And I don't know what his role is in the fifth film. Like, I, I need to maybe research that a little bit. But, God, if he's not touching it, it actually makes me more interested in seeing it. Because. That's what she said. Right. And so, yeah, I guess for me. Oh, it was right there. If you're a fan of The Office, I get you. Um, here's my other Here's my other thing. You know, you were talking about the Marvel dates. Marvel. Disney Disney's really established a, a pattern of dates uh, with a lot of Marvel movies. And it seems like once we get past, like there's this interesting, like we've got these like flood of films because we're getting four on the back end of this year. We're getting like four on the back end of like 2023. But then when you get to 2024, we're back into what they used to do, where they would release a movie in February or release a movie in May, release a movie in July and release a movie in December or November. Back to their cycle. 
And that was the Marvel movie cycle for quite a while before basically Infinity War or around Infinity War and then the pandemic kind of messing things up. So I'm um, I'm not concerned about this this scheduling date. I'm not concerned about which movie pops in. I think the only people that have that sort of concern are the people that feel that they need to know what the plan is way, way farther in front of when it actually comes out in front of them. And so enjoy the ride, people. Just enjoy the ride because it's it's been a good one. And until they give you a reason not to enjoy the ride, just enjoy it because they, they really haven't dropped the ball yet. And that, I think, is the perfect segue into us talking about Marvel's latest effort, uh, Shang-Chi. And just like I was I was ready for this movie in a big big way guys and i know i made no secret about that like from the trailers and being like marvel made a kung fu movie to say that this movie met and made and probably exceeded my expectations if you read my nerd review uh would be an understatement i absolutely loved shang chi and audiences are proving that out too as it's going to win the box office again this week for the second week in a row you know it did take a loss like every movie in its second weekend did but did so in such a minor fashion that it's going to continue its lead because Marvel set out to make a Kung Fu fantasy flick in the shades of House of Flying Daggers and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and Hero, and they did it. And they did it very, very well. Uh, And so, yeah, like just... Overall thoughts about the movie before we start to speculate and talk about things we saw, Dave, because I don't, Tony, you haven't seen it yet, correct? All right. Well, spoilers. Yeah. I was like, what? The East German judge by the narrowest of margins this week. You were the low. Yeah. You were the low man. 4.5. I was the low man on it. Yeah. So take that. I was was 4.8. Take that with a grain of salt. Um, Yeah. The movie's excellent. It really is. It, 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 it's, it's fantastic as far as inter- introducing us to a new character, the newest Avenger. And that became clear at the end that he is an Avenger and the Avengers are still a thing. So I think it answered a lot of questions in there. Um, it's, it's, you know, the 10 rings, the introduction of, of the 10 rings as an item or an object or a weapon. And as an organization was really cool. The way they um, kind of gave the Mandarin a proper send off. I really enjoyed that. There's there's a lot about the movie. The action scenes are fantastic. The creatures are great. The the characters are, are awesome. There's um there's nothing really to complain about with this movie. I know like like I mentioned in the nerd review, and I've heard other people talk about that this was the Asian version of Black Panther. And I said in the nerd review, I'm not so sure it was as grand in scope, but you could see why people would say that. It, it's very important for you know for a movie like that. I made that comparison in my nerd review, yeah. Dave. Because <laughs> it's an, because, it's a right, here's why. it's a good comparison. I mean, it's it's dead on. So I don't know why you wouldn't well, make it's, that. It's, it's unapologetically Chinese. That's what I really appreciated about this movie is that it is much like Black Panther, which is unapologetically African and steeped in its culture and its history, in very in blending it and making it Marvel. Shang-Chi does the same thing on the mystical side of things and, and this complete opposite of Wakanda, which is, you know, this technologically advanced society that 
you know, has integrated its technology with its traditions. Whereas the world of Shang-Chi and the island of, or the, the world of, what is it? Taolo. Taolo. Is steeped in its own mythology and mysticism. And you get to see these beautifully rendered uh, Chinese mythological creatures from the nine-tailed fox to the dragons, which everybody got nuts for, to even the weird little creature, which was an actual creature from Chinese mythology. Like, I went and looked them all up because I was like, that can't be real. That can be, they're all real. They're all legit. To the imagery, to just the combat itself, like the fighting styles, the kung fu are both all and just different types of kung fu are all steeped in Chinese tradition. The the kata that's being done by Shang Chi's mother and aunt that they that, that they use to defeat and I'm going to forget Dad's name too. I'm sorry. Zhu um, Wen Wu is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was just it's amazing. Um, and it was beautiful, and I really hope that it prompts people to to go and see this movie, and then to go and learn about these cultures. The story itself of Shang Chi, a man on a journey by himself, is very Bruce Lee, very very Bruce Lee in in the in the just the type of storytelling. The only you know the big difference coming in, in the fact that he's not alone. And in Bruce Lee films, Bruce Lee's character is always alone. Like there are there is no help. You know the role of women. It was a Zhu Wen Wu, by the way, was the uh, was Tony Leung's character who was just phenomenal. Uh, Fala Chen, by the way, was probably a, her battle with Tony Leung in the opening fight sequence was in my it was it was like ballet. It was just, it was beautiful. And it utilized all these techniques that you've seen in previous films from the martial arts stylings to the, the, the almost the Chinese boxing style of Tony Leung versus the, the kata that Falun Shen was, was doing to the use of wires to create the illusion of floating and flying. That is very reminiscent of crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Uh, and if you want to look at an American film, the aforementioned, aforementioned matrix movies, use that use use that technique a lot to create the effects in the fighting it was just it was beautiful it was gorgeous and it it opened up this whole new world of mysticism and magic and that's what i want to get to in terms of the mcu because if the first four phases of marvel were about technology like mostly we are we are going to magic y'all and we are going to magic and mysticism, and they are making no bones about it. It is, it has been since WandaVision. We know what's going on with Doctor Strange. You saw a little bit of it in Loki, and now we are facing again in Shang Chi. Before we head into a horror story of magic, well, even Spider Man, like the Spider Man No Way Home, is all about magic gone wrong. And fucking with the multiverse. And then we're going to then have Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Again, magic gone wrong. Big, big part of where the MCU is going now and growing in such a different way than what they just did with with the first phases. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, because uh, I mentioned it in the in my nerd review, was that 
drawing the comparison between Wakanda to Tao Lo, it, you can see why people are doing that. But like you said, Wakanda is all about technology and vibranium. And Tao Lo in the, in the world of Shang-Chi is all about mysticism and, and legends and in these interdimensional fantastical creatures that you haven't seen a ton of that in the MCU yet because the cause, I mean, anything outside of guardians of the galaxy has been grounded more predominantly street level. And I thought Shang-Chi was going to be a street level sort of story. And it was anything but that it started off that way. Then the next thing you know, you're into this whole interdimensional crazy world with faceless creatures and, and, and nine tailed foxes and, and dragons and stuff. So yeah, I, I agree with you completely that they are that the they are really injecting magic into this thing. Uh, I'm not sure Eternals whether that's going to be more magic or cosmic. I'm leaning towards the latter, but not necessarily excluding the fact that it will ha- you know. And and I think that leads to a good conversation Ray and I had after we saw the movie that I want to pose to you. Of course, is the big post credit stuff like who or what are the rings talking to? And is Eternals going to be just, are they going to, is Eternals going to be a continuation of Shang-Chi? Because I'm thinking maybe that's what they're doing, that that's whatever the rings are communicating with or a beacon for is how the Eternals get brought into this thing. That would make sense. But that's the big area of contention amongst most of us nerds who are talking and Ray and I talking after the movie is like, what are the rings communicating with? What are your theories on that, Pat? Because I know Ray and I've kind of talked about it, but I'm, Curious as to what you thought about that. Well, it's something ancient. Um, it does to me. It makes a lot of sense that maybe it's maybe it's the Celestials, maybe not necessarily the Eternals, but the Celestials who I think are show up in the Eternals. Um, and, and I think that's a very interesting thing. I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. That's the one that makes the most sense. Um, unless it's to doing something interdimensionally, maybe it's speaking to Kang, um, who we also know is out there, Kang the Conqueror. They they both um it's funny that that's the big question you guys walked out of, because the big question I walked out of was what the fuck is Wong doing when Doctor Strange is not around? Like he's, he's making out, he's singing karaoke he's in bars. He's teaching the abomination how to fight. He's helping like they go off and like are buddies in a locker room like the hell of that and and he's guarding the sanctum. Where's Doctor Strange? In like that's what time? Where are we in the time stream? That Doctor Strange isn't the one that's observing those rings and talking about what they are. Is Doctor Strange lost with Parker, and that's why he's not there? What's happening? Why? And nobody nobody seems bothered by it. And it's not that we shouldn't respect Wong because he's a badass, but I mean, he's quickly becoming the R2-D2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the most powerful member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's funny you mention that because like the time, the Marvel chronology, the timeline, um, it, it, I, and I've been to a few sites lately that have kind of opened my eyes to a few things. Like it's not obviously the way the movies came out because, you know, Captain America, First Avengers, the first one. And then Captain Marvel, actually, you know, Hulk was released second, but that happens way down the timeline. So trying to figure out where the MCU stuff fits in with a lot of the other stuff that Marvel, even the stuff shows like Daredevil and Luke Cage have loose tie-ins to the MCU, even if they're not MCU properties, but they're still kind of 
attached to that whole thing. So it's fascinating to me to try and sort out the Marvel universe's timeline, even, you know, because they're gradually bringing in stuff that like, you know, because we've all talked about it. We think Daredevil might be coming. We think Luke Cage might be coming. We think a lot of things might be happening. And trying to figure out exactly where everything fits in their place. Like, okay, where's far from home taking place in relation to Shang-Chi in relation to black widow. And does that impact the fact? Well, Dr. Strange isn't in this movie. So does no way home come back immediately after far from home and before Shang-Chi, you know, there's it's, it's a fascinating topic to contemplate. The deeper we go down the rabbit hole, that rabbit hole keeps getting bigger. The more that Feige pulls back, the curtain a little bit. So it, it's really, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that they're talking to the Celestials and I think Eternals is going to tie in directly to Shang-Chi, which didn't seem likely at the at the beginning, but now it's like, well, it makes sense. Why, oh, why didn't I just take the blue pill? Exactly. Anyway, the only other thought I have for anybody out there that may be on the fence about watching this movie Watch this movie, particularly if you love the genre of film that I talked about, kung fu uh, films, because it is outside of the climax of the film, which is a very Marvel final battle. Um, everything else is just it's it's all kinds of nods to Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, uh, Jet Li. Um, it just it's all it's all there. Like it's all there. The scaffold battle is just it's crazy it's awesome it's worth watching do yourself a favor uh and try to check it out sooner rather than later because it's really really good um dave any final lasting thoughts on shang chi you want to share before we go into asking a question just what i said last week i would echo again that if you feel remotely safe going to the movies you have to check this movie out it, it don't be on the fence it is absolutely worth your time um but with the caveat, if you feel safe, do it. If not, then wait 45 days or however long it's going to be before it shows up on Disney+. Plus. Well said, well said. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? <laughs> Well, as we've joked about before, you may or may not have heard Patrick asking a bunch of questions this week. Patrick O'Dowd has a question, but first I got a bone to pick with Mr. Ray Cash. Is he trying to take over my show? Why we got Ray Cash as a question in the bandwagon nerds chat? What's, what's going on here, Dave? He's just, Is there a plot? You know, Is there I, a plot of I guess so, man. You know, you can't tell with Ray. He's upset about his, like he's upset about his Ravens have no running backs left. You know, I'm just saying, you know, you show up. Yeah, I mean, you don't show up to the show, yet you're throwing out questions and being like, where the hashtag Ray Cash has a question. I'm a little hurt. Anyway, it was a good question. So for funsies, I will ask Ray, Ray Cash's question before I ask the even weirder Patrick O'Dowd as a question. Um, Ray posed to the Bandwagon Nerds chat, if you could have one fully operational Marvel item that you could use, what would it be with a couple of caveats? The first one being you can't have the infinity. Gaunt you can have the infinity gauntlet and it works, but not with every stone. 
Um, so you can only have one stone, um, I think was the one caveat I saw. Uh, and I know Dave, you and Ray already answered it. Ray, because of his own recency bias, admitted that right now the 10 rings seem like the dope thing that he would want to have. I will say having immortality is kind of a nice, a nice touch. Uh, Dave, what did you choose? Well, I choose, I chose the Tesseract, but I think I was thinking like, like, yeah, if you're saying you could have the infinity gauntlet with one stone, then I'll take the infinity gauntlet with the Tesseract and, and roll with that as far as it'll take me. Fair enough. What is it? Which, which stone was that? The space stone? The one, yeah. The one that lets you travel. Yeah. Well, that, that'll work. Uh, I'm completely happy being PC Tony. So no, no Marvel items for PC Tony. No, Marvel couldn't handle PC Tony. He would use Green Lantern's power ring. There you go. No, shut up, Dave. Stop. It's the Speed Force. He would take. take, I'll take uh whatever is transporting all them crazy motherfuckers uh in uh in the Loki series. Oh, the the little wristwatch thing. Yeah, the time transporter there. Yeah, that's yeah. a good call. Go back, go back and watch some classic sporting events without bothering anybody. Maybe place a few bets with Gray's Sports Almanac. Oh, it's the Back to the Future 2 argument. Uh, um, uh, I'll cheat. I'll answer with two. Um, the Eye of Agamotto, also known as the Time Stone, um, is always has been my favorite of the, the different... Um, infinity stones but mostly because it's unique in its own limitations like you can only go back so far um and i've always found that to be really cool the other item and this is just purely for aesthetics and i would have to go practice on a tree with some gym mats wrapped around it uh is captain america's shield because we all know that that's how you get good at throwing the shield is throwing it at some gym mats wrapped around a tree Tony's got his thumbs up. My question is actually just more a little random. So today for lunch, I had this urge to go back to my youth when I was dirt poor and would buy cheap box meals for food and convinced the Mrs. O'Dowd to let me get a pound of turkey and make some hamburger helper. And so in our lives as youths, maybe even currently, there have been times where we have had to find the economically responsible foods out there to purchase, like Top Ramen, Mac and Cheese, those box meals. When you were scraping dimes together to get food that could maximize the potential of those scraped together dimes, what was your go-to food? Mine was Hamburger Helper. My number two was Rice Aroni. 78 cents a box. Dave? Probably like, shit, Top Ramen is the way to go. I mean, that's like, what, $1 per package? Or, I mean, oh, if you, uh, if no, you want maybe no, 69 cents. Like, no, not even. They're like 15 cents a package, Yeah, Dave. there you go. If you want to like be. Like a dollar ec- big box. Yeah, like that box. Yes. If you want to be truly economical and just get by, then, yeah, Top Ramen is probably, probably the go-to, I would say. I think, yeah, otherwise... Back in the day, Taco Bell, I mean, it's still pretty damn cheap. But back in the day, Taco Bell was like, yeah, 69 cents for a taco. You could go a long way with about $5 in your pocket and go to Taco Bell. Um, Something that I just still eat because I enjoy the numerous ways you can make it, eggs. Eggs are cheap as hell, and that's a lot of protein. So if you don't have any money, 
buy buy the eggs on special. You can have eggs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and get, get your protein. Um, I can remember living off campus and going to college and, and uh, white bread, uh, American cheese slices, and bologna with a little bit of ketchup. That was pretty much uh, was a staple. Pretty cheap. Did you get Wonder Bread? No, I would get whatever cheap grocery store brand was for like, you know, uh, 74 cents a fucking loaf, you know, and it, that could have been, you throw an egg on that, that's breakfast, you know, you, you, you put some sriracha on it, that's lunch, and then, you know, you you have this cheap ass hamburger you bought, you throw that on the Foreman grill, put it in between there, and you get, you're good to go. You mentioned, you mentioned grocery store brands. I used to buy grocery store branded cereals all the time, like the value right, like cornflakes or whatever because yeah it's like a dollar cheaper and it's the same damn cereal mostly yeah, so, I, I used right. to work in a grocery store where we're, all the generic stuff where we sold the stuff that was called beer it was a white can with black lettering it just said oh beer. yeah I what one Milwaukee's of my best look gourmet honey oh there there used to be whole areas of grocery stores that would just be the plain white box with the name of the thing on it because when i was a resident assistant and my undergrad we had we had to do bulletin boards for our floor right and i had like 12 of them and you had to change them every month and they were really like various sizes real pain in the ass and a bunch of i sold my boss i was like look I will work really hard on this one board, but if you let me take this little one and I got to make one that just said bulletin board in plain black letters with a serial number under the bottom and the people who knew, knew. The people who didn't were like, what the hell is this board all about? But it was totally a generic bulletin board that just said bulletin board. All right, fellas, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Before we get the heck out of here, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you out there on the socials since we don't have robots to do it for us yet. PC Tony, you're up first today. Yes, sir. Uh, Great episode today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope everybody enjoys everything on ChairShot Radio Network. Please continue to listen. All your favorite streaming platforms. Follow me at PC Tony. We forgot to mention, are we still on? We're still on the same time, right? But the Chair Shot Radio, you're no longer getting a double dose of Chair Shot Radio of Dave and Patrick now. We have moved to Fridays every other Friday. That's right. So send, send your hate tweets for that decision to at it's me DPP. DeMarco. So yeah, DeMarco too. <laughs> wow. I, I deserve to be in that one. Thanks for letting me off the hook. <laughs> well, I figured D- DP's got to get all the hate tweets this week. This is I hate yep. DPP week. It's a it's a little bit of a programming shakeup on the chair shot, though. I think that's fair to talk about. Not a big, big shakeup, but a few shows have moved around. We're still here on Mondays, of course. But, uh, yeah, if you all missed Dave and I talking about music, well, too bad you're going to miss us on Friday, too, because it's Ray's week. But we'll be back. I think, fall- I think Tony and Greg just get drunk and start picking shit out at random to move around. That's yeah, what I think. Yeah, Greg gets drunk. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> well, he's taking pictures of himself at his CrossFit gym. Anyway. Wow, Patrick coming hard with the burn. Dave, where can they find you out on the socials? Well, other than sending your hate tweets to edit, it's me, DPP. You can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at attitude agg and on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression 
And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Monday on the Bandwagon Nerds podcast. You can catch me every Wednesday with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Babyface Heel podcast and every other Friday with Dave Ungard hearing you some chair shot radio. Also, please follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account. We have been much more active as of late doing polls, posting news, trying to keep that thing up to date and running so follow us and spread the love that way as well that is gonna do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds now please get yourself out of the basement get some sun and then watch some football and some kung fu movies because it's all happening now you've been listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network part of the chair Unity brings all three boxes together in perfect sync. Its power builds until it can't be contained. But if I can cause a delay between each box, even for a nanosecond, its energy will cascade, form a loop. I feed on each other. And that's it? We just pull them apart? No fuss, no muss? Separating the boxes is still going to cause a massive surge. I'll have to be there. But you guys should think about getting clear. We're with you till it's done. Honestly, I think we're all going to be dead way before that. And you know what? I don't mind. It's an honorable end. But we gotta shut Steppenwolf down. Superman's a no-show. You got no powers, no offense. This guy might be working for the enemy, we don't know. You're tripping over your feet and mine. Oof. You're gorgeous and fierce and strong and mm. I know we went to war with the Amazons, but that was before my time. And you know what? I don't wanna die. I'm young, there's shit that I wanna do. I just feel like I never really embraced the sea or the land. I've been alone my whole life, but being part of something bigger like this, maybe I'm scared because I'm meant to... I think that was beautiful. Say a word about this. We'll meet every prana I know. I honestly didn't hear anything after we're all gonna die.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.